We are the existentialists. Four existential psychotherapists invite you to join us in a dialogue about what it means to live an existentially tuned life. Your hosts are Xavier Williams, therapist in Vancouver, Canada. Janelle Dresner, therapist in Edmonton, Canada. Chelsea Stenner, therapist in South Surrey, Canada. And Mihaela Lounano, therapist in Vancouver, Canada. Welcome to the Existentialist Podcast. Today our topic is going to be ghosting, something that's becoming rather common, apparently, if you believe all the social media that is around it. Maybe a relatively new phenomenon, or maybe the format or the way that it occurs has just changed. But effectively, we're going to discuss about what it's like to ghost. Have we ever ghosted? And probably more likely, what it's like to experience being ghosted and our potentially our personal experiences, and then whatever we think about that from an existential point of view. And so just to start, I'm going to start with reading the Wikipedia definition of ghosting, just to kind of give us a bit of a, a specific framework. And Wikipedia says that ghosting is a colloquial term used to describe the practice of ceasing all communication and contact with a partner, friend, or similar individual without any apparent warning or justification, and subsequently ignoring any attempts to reach out or communicate made by said partner, friend, or individual. So that really kind of covers everything. I think most of us would understand it kind of as we were supposed to meet somebody, whether on a date or for rent, and we just don't show up and we don't say anything, and then we never talk to them again. Yeah, either they don't show up or more commonly, actually, it happens over social media where that's used as a third party or over texting or email where you'll reach out to somebody that you've been in regular contact with, whether it's dating or in a friendship, and then that person no longer responds and it's out of the blue and you don't know why. And it's very disorienting for people. I know that in my practice with clients, I probably talk about ghosting because they bring it up at least once or twice a week where clients are feeling like really, really hurt by being ghosted by other individuals, usually in the dating scene because of apps like Tinder or Bumble can be quite hurtful. So I wonder in the tradition of our podcast, if it's good to start with ourselves and our own experiences around this topic and maybe we can share either if we have been ghosted and how we felt, how we experienced that, or if we have ghosted someone and how did that feel? And then maybe anchor this discussion in our own experiences. This is very much like a phenomenological way of doing this and doing our podcast. Would that be okay? Mm -hmm. For me, I'm more so the ghoster. I do have to admit, I have ghosted people before. So I was reflecting on what was that about and was it intentional? And it certainly hasn't been. I have not ghosted anybody because I didn't want to speak with them anymore. More so because of reading. Sometimes I'll read messages like getting out of my car on my way into work. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to respond to this later. And I forget about it. Or I just I feel like I'm not in the right headspace or the right emotional space to provide a response that seems justified or necessary to whatever the person was requiring of me. So I'll then want to wait until I get into that 
emotional space. And then again, sometimes that never comes or that can bring on this paralyzing expectation then that this response needs to be something that, that I've decided it needs to be rather than recognizing that probably our response is nice to get, even if it's not the most emotionally attuned response rather than nothing. I've never been ghosted. I know that does occur on the dating scene pretty often and I've not actually done online dating. So, I mean, I suppose it could happen to me if I were to, but I have had an experience though of like before social media of people like emotionally distancing or kind of disappearing in my life in front of me as it's happening. But that feeling of like, I can no longer access them or I can no longer reach them. They're not here anymore. They're not present to engage in the relationship. I've had those experiences, which were painful in their own right, but a little bit different because they were still physically accessible. Whereas I, I've had clients who've suffered from ghosting and it is very painful because there is no, there's no access to the person whatsoever. And that is really, truly difficult to deal with. So that was my thought about ghosting and kind of reflecting, had I ever ghosted anybody? And I resonate with some of what you said, Janelle, about moments where you've seen a message and you haven't been able to respond and then forgetting. But I'm not so sure that counts as, I mean, maybe it's experienced as ghosting, even if it's not the intent. Or absolutely that one where the question or whatever's asked of you is, requires so much or much more than you're able to give in the moment and then wanting to wait for that precise moment. I think I've described that to myself previously in terms of timing and when is it ready, when I'm ready to do it or is it appropriate? But I try to think of, have I ever ghosted kind of, again, in that original way, in that old school way, in terms of have I ever stood anybody up? Certainly in terms of romantic kind of thing and dates, um, never. It would never have crossed my mind to even, you know, when I was young, I was so grateful that anybody was going to date me anyway. So <laughs> why would I cut my nose to spite my face almost? I wonder if there's a difference. I, I feel like there's a major difference provided by this kind of intermediary of social media or email or text messages that almost enables, almost facilitates ghosting because there's that barrier, that gap, if you like. It's inherently right. disembodied. Mm-hmm. And yeah, these are such good points because I also was wondering, have I ghosted per se? Or was it an issue of uh, like timing in terms of responses and forgetting and then feeling bad about it? And then, as you said, Janelle, trying to now come up with a very thorough apologetic response and then feeling kind of the dread of that and so on. So I think I resonate very well with what you described, Janelle, like all that process. So in that sense, I think I've being a ghoster. I don't have experiences that I remember right now about being ghosted, but like you, I'm hopeful. <laughs> I maybe experience them. But yeah, but I think it's important that you said, Sav, like to distinguish between ghosting and and actually, yeah, timing or not having time to respond or dreading to go back to something I should have responded a while ago. Yeah, I think I definitely resonate with the timing piece of it where I've opened a message and I've been like on my way into the grocery store or something and then it slips my mind and it takes a while to get back. But I find that there's maybe a conversion point where it turns into ghosting because somehow the message has been left so long. 
that then I start to feel anxious that I haven't responded to this person, whoever it may be. And then it takes me a little bit more time to respond. And I notice myself trying to sometimes come up with excuses like, oh, sorry, I was really busy or I was really occupied Mm -hmm. with this or I didn't have time in that moment or it slipped my mind. So I've noticed that. But in terms of being ghosted, I've definitely had that happen. And I'm glad that you made that distinction, Janelle, where it's in person versus over some kind of online or tech means because I've I've felt it in both. I've felt it mostly in a friendship where somebody just started disappearing as a person in my life. It started kind of emotionally feeling like there was a distance between us, starting to feel a bit cut off or they were hard to access or to read. And then that also turned into a technology response as well, where our kind of usual pattern of engagement drastically dwindled and dwindled and dwindled. And I was kind of left with a powerless and helpless feeling because I really cared about the friendship and was wanting to have something change to kind of reinvigorate it. So I felt prompted to kind of try even harder in some aspects to negotiate contact or to keep things alive. But then I realized that the relational dynamic had already been maybe dead or was dying for quite some time. And I think when it's dying, it's hard to name it and call it out. Mm -hmm. It's hard to say, I'm noticing that this is happening, that you're slowly disappearing. Mm -hmm. Whereas with it being very abrupt and, you know, you set up plans to meet and then you just never hear from the person again, you can name it as ghosting. So it Mm -hmm. is difficult that, yeah, even though this is a phenomenon that we all use the word, we all kind of understand what it means. Maybe there is a bit more of a continuum to it than we even realize in terms of experience. There was an element of procrastination that I felt kind of come in when you were talking, Chelsea, that I've recognized it and then kind of almost like that phone call, you know you need to make, but mm-hmm. you just kind of put it off and you're like, I'm going to do it today mm-hmm. and I don't. And so where does that fit in? And as Janelle nicely put it, that continuum. Yeah, I think this is a great comment. So I was also sitting here wondering. So it seems to me that we are using different experiences, like the phenomenon of ghosting becomes either we broaden it a bit or is this really ghosting, like a relationship that is dying? or a dynamic that is changing, is this ghosting? I mean, for sure it Mm. may come to a point when it feels that the other person is a ghost, kind of like, literally. But is it that change in relationship dynamic ghosting, or is procrastination in interpersonal context ghosting? So I guess these are important Mm. distinctions. But I feel that we kind of broaden beyond the Wikipedia definition anyways. Would you suggest that we maybe narrow back into it being more? No, I'm just saying clear. that it's interesting how we expand it and how yeah. different experiences uh, we connect different, slightly different experiences with ghosting. So I was just noticing that I, I don't think we should narrow. Maybe we can actually expand. And based on what Chelsea spoke, like her experience of relationship, like dying, it very much uh, touched me. Like, and it's, uh, it causes a lot of damage and sadness and grief. I think that exactly what you're saying, Mahila, like to define it a little bit, Mm -hmm. because there is a continuum of experience, but I think Mm -hmm. what makes ghosting ghosting 
is the lack of expression of right, what is going exactly. on mm -hmm. in the relationship. Because if we look at the mm -hmm. relationship, it's at least two things together in unity and synchronicity, creating something and being involved. And then when one person may be in that union, has an internal posture decision that is not made known to the whole relationship that's when i think things start to head in that ghosting direction and their presence disappears mm -hmm. but that means that emotional dishonesty is ghosting basically or can lead to ghosting i think that's a fantastic absolutely. phrase mm -hmm. emotional mm -hmm. dishonesty absolutely mm -hmm. as opposed to the procrastination, let's say, mm -hmm, type where mm -hmm. you want to respond, you know you will, mm -hmm, it just, mm -hmm. for a whole host of reasons, time, pressures, anxiety, stress, you haven't done what you want to do. And I think that speaks also to what the literature says as well. There was a study published in the Journal of Research and Personality in 2012, and they identified different reasons for ghosting. And one of the primary ones was avoiding one's own emotional discomfort or the Absolutely. emotional discomfort mm -hmm. of another, avoiding confrontation, avoiding hurting the other. And then it also, at least in the tech world, there's a lack of mutual social connections for accountability. Like if you meet a dating partner, say through a friend group, you're more likely to keep in contact versus the isolation of just meeting somebody on social media and you have no other social environment that's shared with them. I think it, it looks like the more kind of anonymous and the more kind of distant and not known the other person is to you, the more likely is to engage in ghosting because of the lack of like yeah personal connection closeness so if i encounter someone on social media i may be more likely to to abandon them emotionally or like in terms of connection rather than if i meet them in person through a group of friends that's interesting so then the platform the internet let's call it mm -hmm. broadly because it's email and text messaging and it really kind of ghosting almost originates with it pretty much in its modern conception it's postmodern conception it's very easy I think it's ghost. become very, like, it's become mm -hmm. a pandemic, to use that word, very, very for good. suitably in this situation. Okay. Pandemic within a pandemic. Yeah, but it's become to such a great and widespread level that this is now a way of ending a relationship that is even categorized in studies and can be studied that this is so common that it happens mm -hmm. on the regular Except that I'm not sure, would you call that a relationship? If someone or, meet or, or indeed, is, is that ending a relationship? Yes, both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I had the same mm -hmm. similar kind of yeah. thought and, mm -hmm. and, and not with the kind of, it's not, just mm -hmm. the kind of the question. Well, I guess it would mm -hmm. speak to maybe the, the substance of the relationship mm -hmm. in the first place, how deep it is, and that maybe it's not so deep over mm -hmm. technology. Or how deep it is and how deep one mm -hmm. person could not go did not mm -hmm. have the capacity to engage in. Right. It's not necessarily a two-way thing. It's often a one-way thing. I think so. I think that speaking existentially, when we get close to somebody and there's this field generated between us, that will evoke some sort of feeling, which is scary. So if there is a desire for closeness or intimacy, that means there is a certain vulnerability of being seen. And especially through technology where the quality of being seen is different 
I think to really be seen for who you are, to bridge that, to bring the relationship into reality can be quite frightening. And when we feel certain feelings come up and we, we recognize that there's some sort of risk in being known or understood by the other, what if I'm then rejected? What if they abandon me? What if I lose them? Then sometimes I think it's easier to not turn toward those feelings, to not take the risk, to not garner courage, and instead shut it down and walk away. And it's like administering an anesthetic And I think there is a little bit of numbness, right? Like the avoidance, I'm going to turn away and avoid this. I mean, when I was thinking about why do people ghost, I'm sure that some people ghost to ghost that specific person. Like there is probably a quality about that person, but I'm more inclined to think it has a lot more to do with the ghoster and their own stuff and not being able to navigate or position themselves toward their own feeling that's emerging and let alone be able to turn toward it, but then be honest and share that with the other partner. I had a a similar thought, but maybe a less charitable one, that certainly in terms of, like, say, on Tinder or Bumble or any kind of social media dating app, that maybe this happening is a lot of provisional engagement, whether because of an anxious and intimate anxiety or whatever, but that it's not so much the fear once or the anxiety once an engagement has been agreed upon, but it's so provisional that when I say yes, I'm not even I'm not even really saying yes because I was thinking about this in terms of inner consent, mm. right, or intentionality, and how are are these people who ghost the ghosters? Where is the inner consent lacking? Is it in the first instance by agreeing to meet or initiating, or is it? then on the at the point of ghosting when they decide that they won't because i'm mm. presuming there's a decision mm-hmm. totally and what i hear from my clients who who are talking about this and are quite wounded by this i also hear the discourses in on the dating scene ghosting is quite part of the game like because of that provisionality right so mm-hmm. we try and then there is no obligation that i will show up again to meet you or for a second date. And I guess what you said about inner consent and taking ourselves seriously and at least telling the other person, I don't think this is going somewhere. I don't want to go out with you again. I think that would be the right thing to do. But instead, it's almost like what I hear is they also like expect it or it's like part of the game. Like, don't take it seriously. So I very much like what you said, Janelle, like about the intimacy and that. But I wonder how many people get there even and how but I, I, yeah yeah to what Zav said about I think you mentioned last word you said was decision I don't think it is a decision mm. I think it's a coping reaction that's exactly the problem I think there is a lacking of an inner dialogue mm-hmm. in which they check in with themselves they are aware of their discomfort and then they leave it's an avoidance or withdrawal I don't think that there is much dialogue in looking at, like, I don't know if there's inner consent along the way. Maybe at some point for dating apps to say, okay, I'm going to actually sign up requires some intentionality. But after that, I'm not so sure. And also, again, like, I think it's not even expected at the beginning. Like, it's more like, yeah, I'm going to try. I see what product do I like? And if I don't like this, I'm going to discard it and I'm going to try the other one. So it's that kind of 
the feeling. So I think what we talk about inner consent or coping reaction, it's even a little bit more advanced than what may happen in the early stages of dating with ghosting. Like it's simply, yeah, you I'm looking for another product. I know mm-hmm. it's horrible like to talk like this, but that's kind of the discourse that I get from N- clients. Not at all. I had a similar thought this morning. There's no scarcity. Mm-hmm. When you're on Tinder and you're swiping right and left and right and left, there's thousands, tens of thousands of people that you have potential access to that within a friend group or within your, the clubs and societies and what have you that you would be part of would be much more limited, maybe let's say to tens or hundreds of people. Suddenly you have thousands of people and there's so much choice that, well, I can be as picky as I like. I can, I can, mm-hmm. uh, there's another one around the corner. There's a lack of investment, of commitment, of... Well, there's a dehumanizing quality to what you're saying. Dehumanizing and apersonal. Yeah, that's what I was going to add is that there's an objectifying Mm -hmm. thing that happens where Tinder isn't so different from putting a person in and out of a shopping cart on Amazon um, or your checkout basket. It's very similar. And I think that's where the, well, the relationship never really gets to even bloom or come about because right from the get-go because you don't have like as martin buber said you don't have that i thou that whole person to whole person connection that ever had a chance it's more of a an i it as he said it's my subjective experience to this objective person thing in front of me well they become a persona Mm -hmm. like that's what you put forward on tinder is Mm -hmm. a persona Mm -hmm. and then that's what i think is so painful because okay my persona likes your persona there's an initial attraction so we start to talk and if one person risks the vulnerability of actually maybe opening up a little bit and revealing that inner eye that i whole person and the other just ghosts that hurts so bad. Yeah, it hurts, but I have something even more intriguing than that. Like that sometimes oh, wow. so, so, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes nobody is revealing anything and I still feel very hurt. The intriguing part for me is when I hear from clients who didn't really risk too much vulnerability in, in those interactions and behaved quite superficially and they have been ghosted. So it wasn't like a terrible, like personal revealing from their part and still they feel incredibly hurt. So okay, but the, do you really think that they didn't invest very much of themselves so or are so they just saying in, that? That's intriguing part. So by their facts, by what they like, no, they didn't invest too much but but there's like an inner investment yes, that's exactly. not exactly that's not made known exactly and it's it's an expectation it's a silent investment yes and almost with a mm-hmm. desire for mind reading quality mm-hmm. right they mm-hmm. should know Maybe. my silent investment without mm-hmm. me actually demonstrating my investment so I, think, it's hopes being I think, yeah, hopes. It, to me it feels more like a hope uh, to me sure, it feels I've, like playing a game not knowing the rules or playing a game with different rules, kind really? of thing. Like, like kind of like, I want to be seen, I want to be encountered, I want that intimacy. I don't risk anything of myself, and but I expect that the other will yeah, there's hold a, there's, me. There's a mind so, reading. Yes. There's an, there's an expectation well, of maybe, mind maybe reading. more of like a maneuvering. Like we're trying mm-hmm. to maneuver around so that we both mm. invest an equal amount around the same time. I think that's a, a wonderful way of putting it. And certainly in my experience, that's how 
dating and courting if we if we use a oh, wow. really old term wow, i think there are big differences between there dating are, and courting uh, what i'm what i'm trying to trying to mean is that before you start dating right that initial kind of uh, the seduction if you like the, the opening gambit if we really want to reduce it to chess where you slowly but surely invest a little bit more and a little bit more and you risk a little bit more but it tends to be this mutual i risk you risk And certainly when I do couples counseling, uh, one of the big things with couples is trying to, is really sharing their fears and their intimacies with their partner, their deepest ones. And even with people that they're married to, that they've committed to, they still struggle to do that because they're so deeply rooted. And the idea being that if you share some more of yourself, your partner then too will also because they will see that you are being vulnerable and they too. What I think we're suggesting here is that nobody's being vulnerable, but being hurt as if they had been. Exactly. That's the as if quality that I wanted to pick on. Like that's why I say a game, but not following the rules. Like it's almost Mm -hmm. like playing a game, but actually playing a different game. And I think what you said, the as if quality Mm -hmm. and that kind of expectation, like it's possible to be vulnerable, but really it's not. And it's quite clear at a certain level that it's not going to happen. And then so my question is, like, what is so painful? Why is ghosting, even at this early stage, is so painful? Even if there is no explicit investment. Why is it so painful when you haven't really been vulnerable? Yes. Good question. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put this out there Mm -hmm. that I have seen this with clients and even with friends who struggle in their sense of self that are more heavily positioned to the outer world, Mm -hmm. that they need another to mirror them back and less of an ability to mirror their own selves, which we need both. Mm -hmm. And there's less of that capacity for, for inner dialogue and for owning one's own content, like being able to name that this is my wish or my fantasy, or even being able to recognize a projection when it happens, but that everything that they put on the other becomes the reality mm-hmm. and an inability to take it back or to own it or to question it and say, does this actually belong to me? Mm-hmm. Janelle, could you just for a minute there just expand a little bit on what you mean by recognizing a projection for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar? So projection would be putting your own, we'll just call it stuff, your own maybe pain or your own desires, wishes, what have you, and putting it on the other person as if they were a blank slate and you were projecting the movie of your own life onto them as a blank slate and then watching it and thinking that that's them. But that's actually your own stuff. Oh, let's do, give an do you example. Have an example. Anybody yeah, have an, an example exa- to help? An example would be maybe, I see this with parents and kids, I'll use it as, maybe we should stick to a romantic example. Maybe be helpful. Do you guys have one? No, I've I've never projected on a romantic partner. What? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'll give an example. Um, I have my own inner critic that I don't actually. This is (laughs) this is hypothetical. So let's say that I have my own inner critic that if I don't, we know if I don't clean (laughs) the house. um, (laughs) Gosh, if I don't clean the house, like vacuum the floors, do the dishes, blah blah blah, that it means I'm lazy. This is something maybe I've grappled with or struggled with my entire life. And then I get into a committed partnership and we are living together and my partner comes home from work and the house is a mess and they don't say anything to me. 
And I take their silence as maybe anger towards me that I haven't tidied up or cleaned the house. And that's immediately where it goes. Like that's my first assumption. And then Mm -hmm. I actually respond to them as if that were true. So, you know, maybe tiptoe around them or ask them like, are you okay? Or maybe over apologize. And they're like, no, really, like, I don't care. It's fine. And I won't accept that as an answer, for example. And really recognizing that it's my own voice in my head, my own critical voice that's telling me that's not okay. Actually, my partner doesn't care whether the house is tidy or not tidy. Well, hopefully he may also care, in which case he's not projection. I, I think though. <laughs> that whole point was to give an example of projection. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a fabulous example. And mm-hmm. to me, like when I consider how you described the projection as kind of this thing that has existed in your mind because of the inner critic or family of origin or however it might be there, but it's put out there and then responded to as if it exists. And actually, when I think about the nature of a ghost, Mm -hmm. it's a little Mm. bit similar to that. It's this good point. This it lacks substance. Mm -hmm. It lacks reality. It's this vaporous thing Mm -hmm. that isn't really there and yet it can be responded Mm -hmm. to exactly i think this is so crucial chelsea like going back to my question from a while ago like what exactly are we talking about like what is ghosting i think the as if quality which comes even from the word itself is critical here like i'm responding to something or i feel hurt by something that doesn't fully exist except (sighs) in my mind and the hurt that comes with ghosting is because something that you said, General, really uh, stayed with me, and I want to bring it back. You said also about the lack of inner dialogue, the inner relationship. Mm-hmm. That basically, in the people who tend to feel very, very hurt by being ghosted, even when there wasn't a real investment, and it was only mostly an passive quality, like these people tend to, as you mentioned, to be really oriented to the feedback from the other and to leave. Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of their self-worth through what comes from the other and do not know or do not practice turning towards themselves and developing that inner relationship. So in a way, what is counterbalancing the pain from ghosting or makes it more tolerable is if I have a relationship with myself. And Mm -hmm. also if I have a relationship with reality too and realize that this is an as-if quality in ghosting, Mm -hmm. that I'm responding to something that may not have substance. Yeah, ghosts are paranormal, not, Mm -hmm. you know, not really real. And likewise, a relationship, in quotes, Mm -hmm. that is cultivated maybe online or by some kind of superficial means is also paranormal. Mm -hmm. And so does that apply to the ghoster and the ghostee, do we think? Are they both engaging in some form of as if Mm -hmm. scenario? Or can we envisage a situation when one is really intentional, and I have an example of a, a client who, who is very intentional, although be it, say, hesitant, but very intentional in her wanting to, but being continually being ghosted. Can you can you elaborate the example? Can you tell um, more about? I mean, with, uh, no, yeah, yeah, sure. With, without any with, with, identifying without, information. Absolutely. So, client who was wonderful person and puts herself out there in many, many ways, in social ways, in friendship ways, and indeed on dating platforms, and will engage quite, at least in the initial stages, maybe not deeply, intimately, but 
I would say, sufficient to warrant a reciprocal intimacy. And very often, it would seem, doesn't get that in return. Mm -hmm. There'll maybe be one meeting, and then it kind of fizzles out by, from her description, through a unilateral from the other person's lack of reciprocation. Hmm. That sounds also familiar, like from some stories that I've heard. Like it's very one-sided sometimes this mm. this connection. But my question is still like, if she is investing herself and risks vulnerability, does she kind of wait for the relationship to develop to be held in that vulnerability, or is she offering it with the hope that it will come back? Because that's a, an issue of obviously boundaries and how much she yeah, offers. And I'm not sure. Okay. I'm, it's not really the main focus of our work, but it's more kind of for an example of mm-hmm. okay. is this when we are ghosted, does the ghostie not bear responsibility, but does the ghostie kind of play into it as well? Is there some kind of element of maybe they haven't been vulnerable enough to warrant a response or maybe they kind of as you said these mm-hmm. kind of rules of the game they kind of knew that mm-hmm. so this was to be expected and then their wounding really is disproportionate to what mm-hmm. they were expecting i'm not sure um mm-hmm. i to return to something that janelle or chelsea said earlier about kind of that on social media the absence of that kind of community the friends kind of accountability if you like that if you're referred by a friend then you know mm-hmm that the little bit of online dating that I did participate in several years ago was on this website called mysinglefriend.com and you couldn't sign yourself up. Your friend could sign you up and they had to write a whole blurb about you. Wow. (laughs) Describing you, like essentially why you are a nice person and a good person and all these things. And you got to respond. You got like one line to respond, but that was it. Wow, like a reference. It was a reference, yeah, precisely. (laughs) It's not a bad idea. No, No, it was a fantastic idea. I thought it was really great. And... I don't know if because of that, I didn't experience any ghosting. I did also, though, kind of have this intention to reply to every single person that contacted me. I didn't agree to date with every single one, but still. But yeah, there was that additional factor, that kind of, that reality, if you like, that, oh, this isn't just a persona. There's another person who thinks Mm -hmm. this person is worth engaging with. And I think that's so crucial. So I was about to ask you, why did you answer to each person? But then you just answered it because you saw them as persons. Like you right. imagine that there is someone, a person. Uh, indeed. It's not just an email address or an account. No. Or like, so that's, uh, I, I think this is why ghosting is also more possible, more likely when there is no awareness of the personal, that actually there is another person at the other end. Or if I'm ghosting someone, I'm ghosting another human being, another person. And for that, not to offend people in our social media, but social media is the perfect medium mm-hmm. for <laughs> depersonalizing. And so if we, if we take that point, actually, because Tinder has what, like a photo, maybe two or three photos, and any of them, there's not much more than that. Do we imagine? I, I met my partner on a blind date, so I don't, right. I've never been on Old school. Tinder or Bumble. I don't know what it looks <laughs> yeah, I like. Either. As far as I understand that I've seen is one photo, maybe there's two, three, maybe four max, but they're just photographs. If we would imagine if you put like, say, a personal video as dating mm-hmm. used to be like, I don't even know what it used to be called video dating where you would go and record and you'd get a VHS tape and you'd sign up for this dating agency <laughs> so cool. and they would send oh you VHS tapes and you put it in your VHS machine mm-hmm. and you would, and so somebody would have had to have taken the time wow. to sit there and you see them animated as a person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that 
element there might totally. shift the way we look at people, that there mm-hmm. is another person there, as mm-hmm. you say, not totally. a persona, as, as Janelle it, so well described. I think that prevents two things, the um, depersonalization, dehumanizing, you know, objectifying, and also the what you said, Sav, like that being so readily accessible. There are so many things. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to work. I dump this person, I go with the other one, I dump the other one, I go. So it's so much, there is no scarcity. But when you mm. actually have to film yourself, to prepare a, a tape, to send it, to I mean, there's so much more investment. I'm already much more invested in that. I don't take it so superficially. There Mm -hmm. is some sort of scarcity. I mean, my time is limited. My Uh (laughs) investment is... So actually, I I played with this idea of scarcity and this is going to be a bit of a a leap and forgive me, but hopefully you'll see where I'm going. Up until very recently, apparently, as far as I've understood, in Africa, eating disorders, bulimia, anorexia, were almost non-existent. Mm -hmm. And the... Majority of the reason is is because of the scarcity of food mm-hmm. or the scarcity of the availability of food rather than because we know there's more than enough food in the world. And that's shifted now as more kind of, let's say, uh, Western kind of developed models of, of food distribution have, have existed. And so it's starting to come. And so here, in the absence of scarcity, suddenly we start finding ghosting, mm-hmm. which here's the leap is would be an, a disorder of dating in the mm-hmm. same way that mm-hmm. an eating disorder would be partly as a result of of an abundance, an overabundance of food. Or a disorder of relationship, a relational uh, that's disorder. That's probably a better way of doing <laughs> yes. it, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that uh, example very much. Yeah, it's... Uh, which means that we are, again, My the question that I had a while ago is still with me. Like, this seems to apply our discussion about ghosting, like, again, dating scene, and especially at the beginning or kind of beginning phases. But I, I'm still wondering about the example that you talked about, Chelsea. Like, what if there is a relationship and then one person in that relationship starts to either become emotionally dishonest and then withhold stuff and by withholding they kind of the relationship fades away or for other reasons we feel that they become a ghost well i think to speak to that because i did at least try to bring it up in conversation with this friend about kind of this distance and this Mm -hmm. ambiguity and this shut off that i was feeling and I think it did come down to the emotional dishonesty that you were describing there, Mahila, because she responded to me and said that she felt like she never had consent or could give a full yes to to the friendship. And so maybe there was an element of ghost-likeness throughout that became increasingly mm-hmm. opaque isn't the right word, but... Mm-hmm. It does call Mm -hmm. into question of was there really ever a full relationship there? Did they really fully show up? And it was very, very Mm -hmm. painful. Mm -hmm. Totally. Very painful. I think I remember saying like how much more worthwhile it would have felt to me had she just showed up with her actual feelings in the first place. It would have been a lot easier to dialogue and digest at that level rather than kind of cultivating a quote-unquote relationship out of I don't know not much material and giving that impression the false impression that everything is okay and I think this is the ghost-like quality as if things are okay but in fact she was not there anymore or she as you said Janelle maybe she never was that's very sad 
here I can connect with the pain that comes through that, maybe more than in the examples of the kind of initial dating stages, when there is no really a relationship, it's a attempt to relate. But here is, it's a bit different for me, like it hurts more. And it, because there was a, or from your perspective, at least you thought that there is the I thou quality. That That's mm-hmm. how I felt it was on, on my end. And so I think that was the pain was realizing, oh, it, mm-hmm. it's not actually, but they've told me now so many years down the road. And so the reality that I thought was mm-hmm. true was no longer. And I can actually feel like a mm-hmm. lot of sadness mm-hmm. coming up as I'm talking that, about it. I feel it with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that brings up trauma, essentially, mm-hmm. right? When my reality mm-hmm. is shattered. Mm-hmm. And it brings betrayal into discussion. To what extent that was a relational betrayal? Not only ghosting, also it has the ghost quality, but actually a betrayal. And I think this is where we get into some of the research that has been conducted, looking at how social rejection activates the same areas in the brain as experiencing physical pain. It is quite significant. And what they even found is that in one study, which we'll put in the episode notes by Cross and colleagues in 2011, they found that rejection experiences can actually lead to various physical disorders, Mm -hmm. like fibromyalgia and other somatoform disorders. And also that social rejection in this process shares similarities with the studies on embodiment, which basically highlighting how our emotions interact with our body. There is this penetration or, or ghosting deeply affects us to the point of it, it really has a physical impact. It really does land, like what you said, Zav, about there can be a trauma aspect. And if this happens in relationships repeatedly or in the same relationship over longer periods of time, it can have some pretty significant effects. And so if we switch a little bit back to the, let's say, provisional ghosting. Mm -hmm. If you get ghosted repeatedly, Mm -hmm. what impacts does that have? What impacts might that have? I don't know if we need to necessarily need to explore Mm -hmm. them, but just kind of have that in mind. That's a good question. Mm. But maybe it would be valuable for us in in the time that we do have to discuss, like, what do we do with it? Ah, or how do we... What can be done? How do we deal with it? Or how Mm. do we turn toward it? How do we as individuals avoid ghosting, avoid ghosting people we care about? And then if we are ghosted, I think that's how you would describe it, how we deal with that internally, like how we bear the pain and how we come to understand it. And yeah, very good question. And I think for me, it's a big difference though between, again, Chelsea's more recent example here, like when this happens in a relationship, like that has been established or I was under the impression that we were both in it and we are honest with each other and just realized down the road, a few years down the road that the other person withheld the things or we never talked about certain things that were relevant to the relationship versus the initial stages of forming a relationship. So I guess for me, the question is, I would answer it very differently because for me, Chelsea's example is more around, again, along the lines of, relationship betrayal, relational betrayal. It, it's a bit different than ghosting for me. I don't know how it is for you, but I already is moving into a different category. 
if we go along the lines of the continuum, I wonder if there's mm-hmm. a way that in talking about one of these, like even just ghosting with people that you don't know and mm-hmm. know that well, if some mm-hmm. of what comes up in our discussion can maybe set the stage or apply as a foundation that may help in relationships where there's ghosting and over the longer term, like I, I wonder if there will be some similarities, even though there are some very key differences. Mm-hmm. I think, Janelle, that one of the things that you brought up earlier about the lack of kind of inner dialogue, right, the very much the outer, that this would be the, mm-hmm. the place to go to really turn inwards, not in a kind of a, a reclusive way, but in a, a paying attention to myself, asking myself these questions, like what happened, how come, and not in a kind of a why did this happen to me kind of way, but honestly reflecting on myself and me and did I venture enough? Are there rules of this game that I don't understand or that I do understand I just don't like, like I just don't really really agree with? Or ignoring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Or or did I venture too much in in a game that was a different game that I thought? Like, are we talking about the ghoster, Uh, the ghosty? Both, I think. I think the ghosty and the ghoster Mm -hmm. could apply with that in that. Mm -hmm. Did I agree to rules that I don't really understand Mm -hmm. or did I go further than I really understood mm-hmm. what I was doing. Self's client, like, it's clearly probably an example and maybe she put herself too much and then um, maybe she didn't get what she imagined, but that was an expectation that was not realistic. Yeah, perhaps. And perhaps. it's like with many kind of client stories we share, their amalgamations it doesn't fit our conversation yeah. precisely. Yeah. But yeah, there's that possibility mm-hmm. that the rules of the game are X and I mm-hmm. did Y mm-hmm. and there was no result. And then if I don't understand that, what I did and how come I didn't abide by the rules or play by the rules. I also think for the ghoster, there are some issues, like issues in engagement with the outer world and engagement with the other in terms of distress tolerance that many people have a low tolerance for discomfort in evoking discomfort in the other. I mean, we talk about this like with boundaries, how difficult it is to set boundaries, right? If we want to end some sort of relationship or we're not interested, we say no, that is a boundary. And yet we'll ghost rather than do that. I think Mm -hmm. there is an inability to be able to own. This is what I can give or what I cannot give. And if the other person doesn't like it, that's okay. It's, it might be uncomfortable. It's not necessarily that you're going to like it. Mm -hmm. But it's okay that you don't meet eye to eye. And yet I find, and especially in Canadian culture, that is unacceptable. Yeah. And actually that speaks to one of the factors that were brought up in that 2012 study that I mentioned earlier was one of the reasons for ghosting or kind of ending a relationship very abruptly without including the other is this self-blame factor of oh, it's me, it's not you. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe we, well, most of us, I think, can relate to that. I know that I've said that on at least one occasion and it wasn't totally authentic for actually what I felt. (laughs) And yet you're right. Like when I think back on that moment, it's like, okay, yeah, I really, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Don't want to confront. Yeah. So I'm going to say, I'm just really not in the place for a relationship right now, or I'm Uh, just really not looking to date. mm -hmm. And Uh, it's this, we do this everywhere. Yeah. It's this Mm -hmm. soft letdown. 
if we had time, I could give you a wonderful story about this. Can you give us the essence? Can I give, can can you, give you the, the essence? essence? Yeah, I asked a girl out and she told me she had a boyfriend and that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. And then when she found out that I found out, then she wrote me a letter explaining how I was one of her best guy friends and... It it was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the hurt wow. had been done by then. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. I'm sorry it, for laughing. No, no, please. It, it's humorous. It's, it was in high school. It's not. But I think we do this on a small scale in the sense of somebody invites us out. Probably. And instead of just telling them the truth that we don't want to, we say, no, I'm busy. We're so afraid of owning what our likes and our dislikes and what we actually want uh-huh. that it's better to blame it and externalize it on contextual circumstances than it is to actually just own this is a personal decision that I've made even if you don't like it even if it has nothing to do with you as a person Mm -hmm. I'm gonna own it Mm -hmm. that's challenging so the ghost that also has an issue is that inner relationship like oh I think so when when you ghost when you ghost Mm -hmm. we cannot stand by ourselves in kind of telling the truth and telling the others the what's going on could we could we maybe kind of finish up by each offering advice if we want to call it that or suggestions how to truly show up how to exactly how to Mm -hmm. truly shout how to uh, some a bit of courage how to maybe overcome that feeling of i can't really say no i just don't like you that's your answer janelle the love okay that's that's a good answer (laughs) i mean i've had to practice this for myself so i think that it's almost easier to start small is to take an instance such as what I've just outlined where a close friend of yours asks you to go out and to actually give the real reason why you don't want to just to practice that and see how it goes and like slowly build courage in your own capacity. Something we don't really talk about magic in EA, but for me, something magical happens when I really tell the truth. And I stand by it for myself. And I think the more we get a feeling for how good that is, the more that we will grow to be comfortable with that and desire that. And it's grown so much to the point where I actually was able to say to a friend who wanted to reconnect after many years that, you know what, I'm actually not in a place where I can reconnect. I so appreciate just the little bit that we have done, but I don't desire for this to go further. Thank you Mm -hmm. for reaching out. Mm -hmm. And she had enough ego strength. It was totally fine for her. So it wasn't so uncomfortable, but that did take courage to send that message. I'm so grateful that I did. It saved both of our time doing runaround, accommodating one another when in fact, I don't know if either of us really wanted to. It was just a nicety. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, so I would say start small Mm -hmm. and build a courage. That's a great example, Janelle. My little bit of advice, which is a personal thing that I've had to learn, and I think I'm still learning, frankly, is that it's not your job to prevent the other person from suffering, right? To deny your own kind of experience, your needs, your lack of desire in order to save them from a bit of pain, a bit of rejection. And In fact, by doing so, you rob them of a human experience of really recognizing that maybe not everybody will like them or maybe not everybody won't like them, but that everybody won't fall in love with them or et cetera, et cetera. 
Also, what you said, like I was thinking for myself, the advice would be to realize that by protecting someone, you dishonor them and you may dishonor the relationship. Even if we try to to say, well, I'm doing it because I don't want to hurt the other person. I want to protect, quotation marks, the relationship actually is profoundly dishonoring and damaging. So even if we can spare someone the suffering or the unpleasant experience of a conflict or of suffering long time. I think it's very, really dishonoring that word comes to mind. So refusing to bring up some topics that we know that we should bring up or refusing to engage with those topics when we know that they are important, uh, procrastinating, finding excuses not to do so under the umbrella that, oh, I'm protecting, I'm gentle, I'm kind, I don't want to create conflict, actually is damaging profoundly the substance of the relationship. And then I wonder if sometimes it may end up, like you said, Chelsea, like one day you wake up and you realize that the other person is a ghost and they disappeared. But you all the time thought, oh, but I thought we were together. The damage of emotional dishonesty, like reflecting on how much damage that does in comparison to the, the pain of conflict. Yeah, I can think of an example from just a few months ago. Each year I plan myself a birthday party and then I I invite a lot of my friends out to it. But then this year I had planned it all out and then the day of my birthday arrived and I really felt like, oh, I just want to spend this day by myself actually, that that would be most meaningful. Like I felt like going for a run. I felt like taking my dog out. I felt like really actually just being on my own and enjoying that. And so I felt like there were a couple of options before me. I could continue on with my birthday plans as everyone had, you know, RSVP'd already and agreed to show up. Or I could say, oh, you know, I'm sick all of a sudden and I can't attend. Sorry. But I decided I just sent out a message to everyone that said, you know what? I'm super appreciative that you all said yes to agreeing to celebrate this day with me. But I'm finding that as this day has actually arrived, I'm wanting to spend it by myself and that this is what I would find most enjoyable. And it was like really freeing to just choose that and say that. And people were really understanding too. And so that's my example. That's Mm a beautiful example. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that, Chelsea. So that kind of brings us to the end of our episode today. And a rather robust, I'd say, discussion varied. Maybe not so much robust, but varied and passionate. Passionate. Passionate is a, uh, Mm. yeah, um, much more so than actually I was anticipating for a topic that. Perhaps the four of us who are all married and in long-term relationships maybe haven't had direct experience of as mm-hmm. it is in the modern world. But nonetheless, I think well, we dealt with it okay to some extent. And of course, we invite our listeners to reflect on it as always. And really what it leaves us with now as we end is nothing more than our existential question mm-hmm. before the episode. And as always is, it shines a light on the next episode. This week's existential question is how is it for me to be alone? When reflecting upon this, ask yourself, or maybe tune into yourself, and see if you're drawn to this question, if you prefer to avoid it. Which discomforts do you feel potentially? And explore it with time and and maybe in a moment where you are actually alone. Follow us on Instagram, at Existentialist Podcast. 
and let us know your answer to today's existential question. To learn more about us, listen to and learn about other episodes, visit our website at existentialistpodcast.com.